0: We're tech-driven. We're based in Silicon Valley, so we're lucky to have a lot of resources at our discretion to implement for a better process, better price for our customer, and better experience. That starts with Shashank and is led by myself and him also, and we're both doing loans. Him and I together last year did over $500 million of loans ourselves. Of that
1: billion, you guys did half of it? We're half. Wow, that's crazy. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. Today on the show, I have Jim Black. Jim's a mortgage broker based out of the Bay Area. He's been in the mortgage business for 20 years. He's on the Scotsman's Guide, and last year he funded $165 million in mortgages, Recently, partnered with Shawshank Shakar. That's such a cool name. I'm not going to get tired of saying that. And Insta Mortgage. Insta Mortgage is on Inc's 500 fastest-growing companies in Canada. These guys are shaking things up in the mortgage industry. Super cool. A couple of big takeaways from my conversation with Jim. First. He talks about three things he looks for when hiring great people, which I think is really important, especially if you're trying to scale. He also talks about why providing choice to borrowers creates loyalty and shares some examples on how he does that. We also dive into a little bit about like what's going on with interest rates and how do you communicate to clients, given that rates seem to be going up by a quarter point every month. And he gives some really good advice on that. And then we have a really great conversation about niche products and trends of products that are going to be extremely valuable to your borrower referral partners in the next couple of years and so this was a fascinating conversation that I had with Jim. Check him out. You can find him at meetjimblack.com and check out this episode. Before I jump into it though, I want to give a shout out to our title sponsor Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform designed for mortgage brokers and it is slick. So very easy for borrowers to use. It's got lots of intelligence built into it. One of the things it does is when the borrower's filling out the app, it knows what documents to collect. When you get the application, you take the application, look in the lender spotlight, look for rates and guidelines to figure out what's the best lender to use. And then when you finally go to hit submit, you choose a lender, it actually lets you know, hey, keep in mind, here's the guidelines for that lender. Oh, and by the way, here's your submission notes since you put them into the application. It's a very awesome tool. Check it out, finmo.ca. In my uh, Ask the expert segment, I talk to Reuven about how to become a realtor magnet. Check this out. Hey, Jim, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks so much for having me, Scott. I've been watching your show for a while and excited to be part of this. So thanks for your time.
1: Hey, man. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your business.
0: Absolutely. So my name is Jim Black, and I live in the Bay Area in California. I've been lucky. I've been doing loans now for about 20 years. And it's never a dull moment in real estate, as we know, and uh, I have two girls, a two and five year old and happily married, and we live in Santa Cruz County, which is on the coast, about 20 minutes away from Silicon Valley. So we're kind of in the both worlds of living on the beach and also having a high tech environment.
1: So do you do mortgages for many people that are in the tech space? Mm
0: Great question. I do loans for everybody, but we do have a lot of creative jumbo products we offer. Non-QM loans and other jumbo loans have been very popular the last four or five years with RSU income and large promotions people are getting. And so, yes, we do do a lot with RSU type of clients, which are restricted stock unit clients that have- yeah, Okay. I was about to ask you to define
1: gold. it for me. I may periodically say, tell me like I'm 10 just because- You know, if I don't know it, I guarantee there's people listening that don't know. So restricted stock unit loans, basically.
0: Yes, restricted stock unit, which means you have a schedule of vesting on your stock that normally is from a three to five year period of time. And in that period of time, there's an exercise price that you're guaranteed as long as you stay vested and employed. So a lot of people have that schedule that allows them peace of mind that they're going to get the incentive that they believe they're going to be invested with.
1: Right. Okay. I have a question. This is, may seem random. What's the highest salary you've seen in a W-2? I'm thinking- $750,000 salary. Right. Salary. So-
0: Salary. That was a friend of mine, ironically, that works for his father-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> so that's an interesting dynamic, right? Working for your father-in-law is probably you know a trade-off of- yeah. you know, I did with my father-in-law when
1: I was 19, and we were laying flooring. So it was a totally different experience. So how did you get into the mortgage biz? Like, So you've been in it for 20 years now. How did you end up here?
0: Absolutely. So I was fortunate out of college to be a market maker on Wall Street. So Wolf of Wall Street minus some of the bad stuff was what I did every day. And what that meant was I woke up at 4 a.m. on Pacific Coast time and worked till 1 p.m. when the bell rang on the East Coast. That lifestyle is not for the faint of heart. It's a younger person's job for sure. And I learned early on that I was only as good as my transaction. And I wasn't really adding a lot of value at the end of the day to a person. I was helping funds make more money or billionaires become multiple billionaires. And the theme that I left with that was just the fact that I could not see an impact directly on my expertise or my knowledge or my actions. So, fortunately, the company I worked for was a very well known investment bank. We got acquired by JP Morgan, excuse me, and then we got acquired by Chase and they merged together. And at age 22, I got offered a severance or the opportunity to move to New York for three years. And I chose to stay in San Francisco, where I bought my first house from my severance. And ironically, the day I resigned or left JP Morgan Chase, Chase Recruiters turned around and recruited me to the mortgage company. So in one day, I went from being a mortgage.
1: So you got a nice big severance check from them, and they went back to work, like literally just in a different department.
0: Exactly, different department. And what was even more ironic, I went to a school called Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. And what was more ironic is my roommates at college became my tenants less than two years after graduating. So Can you imagine going from like, having fun, not worrying about a care in the world, to then being like, hey, can you clean up your laundry? Can you Yeah, could you pay, pay your rent, rent
1: this month? <laughs> exactly.
0: Hey, rent's late, that kind of stuff. So it was a really interesting dynamic. Luckily, it was with some dear friends, so it was a really great experience. But I was lucky. I bought my house and closed October 2001 and went into contract September 20th, 2001, right after September 11th, not realizing how drastic effects that had in the real estate world. But I was very lucky to buy my house and been lucky to have owned 18 homes throughout my lifetime now. And uh, I liked that experience. I had a passion for learning about investing and also personally benefiting from making good decisions. So I use that experience that I've had in my career to help other families make good decisions. And one thing people don't realize about lending is that we're part of one of the largest financial decisions in people's lives. You have to have an emotional element to that and get excited Mm -hmm. with a person in their journey. You have to have passion for this job. Rates can go higher or lower. And what the fundamental theme at the end of the day is, is that we help people and get them in good long-term investments that are a home that create home ownership that create dreams. And, that's something that's priceless to me. Even if I got paid a lot less for doing this job, I would still do it because I enjoy the satisfaction of helping someone get to their goals.
1: Dude, you make me want to do a mortgage with you? Just because I'm like, okay, take my money. Like seriously. <laughs>
0: Bank of Jim Black will give out
1: yeah. free interest uh, rate loans. Free. Okay. A couple questions on the, so the trader thing, just so I'm clear on that, does that sort of like, you know, you see on TV with the guys in the jackets and the little paper, is that similar to what you were doing?
0: Yeah, great question. There is a general floor that everyone has representation at, and then each company has their own war room behind the scenes that does all the strategy and trading and all the complex transactions. I was in the war room, which meant our doors were locked, our windows were screens Tended. were down. People were recording us from other companies across the street. It was an interesting time. Oh, well, they would re- they I- would
1: literally like record. It's kind of like I want to bring into football. When they were recording the other team's plays. Yes, yes. Some,
0: yeah, <laughs> yes. Some teams did that, but we had to be careful of that. So, again, at age 20, 21 years old, it was a very extreme position to be in where I clicked my button of my mouse and made someone millions of dollars or clicked another button and people lost millions of dollars. And I was humble enough to know that that wasn't my money. That's a stressful situation to be in. And I got to work with some of the highest profile CEOs on their own. Trades. So as a market maker, you actually have a position in certain stocks. So let's say I was trading Amazon, for example. That means I would be trading every single share of Amazon throughout the entire company. If it was for a client, for an employee, for the company on a trade perspective, that was my role to make the market on that one specific stock. And I had 40 stocks. So I was fortunate to be on a great partnership team where I learned a lot. And again, learned early on in my career that that's a sprint type of mindset where you age years and months. <laughs> I learned a lot from that. And I wanted to be in a marathon where I could actually help. Not a sprint. Yeah. Okay. Like,
1: uh, uh, one last question. on this. So what was the best thing that you learned or takeaway from that that applied directly to your mortgage business?
0: That you should treat everyone the same way from a client to the Valet guy that parks your car in the morning to the deli person, you treat everyone with respect. You treat everyone with class. And when you do that, I think it makes you stand out as someone who is authentic and genuine. And I think that plays a big role in why people choose to work with me, with me as in employees, but also with me as in terms of clients. So I believe you treat people with respect and be gracious and humble and surround yourselves around people that are smarter than you. And when you do that, I think you're in a good position to be successful.
1: Okay. So did you ever witness someone who didn't do that? And then the repercussions? Like
0: Absolutely. From the trading floor, from a physical fistfights, to people losing their jobs, to people losing their homes for not having grace. And I also see it from realtors or other lenders or other borrowers that just have to take what we do seriously. It's not a game. It's not a joke. Mm-hmm. It's a serious thing. We don't save lives for a living like a doctor. Or a nurse, but we try to make lives better. And you know, I don't think someone can truly understand that until they've gone through that experience themselves. When I bought my first house, the loan officer did a very bad job. He charged me an extra $12,000 at the end of the transaction. And he knew all I had in my account was $18,000 total. So this person not to be named actually harmed my own personal experience where I was down mm-hmm. to two months of my payment left in my accounts because this person decided he wanted to make more money. Right. Luckily, regulations have changed. Luckily things have made that illegal now, but that was my lesson in life was I'm never going to let that happen to someone else. I'm going to make sure that people understand what they're doing. They confirm they know what they're doing and have time to review and ask any questions they have about, you know, the transaction or details or strategy or if this is a good idea to do or not.
1: Right. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, failure happens. Not everything that we try works. And you seem like a really humble guy. You remind me of another guy, Ian Lee, even just your whole demeanor and everything. You'd love him. He's an awesome dude based out of Colorado Springs, but can you share something that you failed at and what you learned from it?
0: Absolutely. My belief in failure is that it's okay to fail. If you don't fail, you haven't probably reached the pinnacle of your success. Every failure in my career and in my life have made me a stronger person I think one of the failures that happens to me occasionally is seeing a potential in something and not being able to fulfill that potential. What I mean by that is it could be an employee, it could be a client, it could be myself wanting to strive to be better. My failures in those regards have a big impact on me. I always look at opportunity. I always look at the abundance position on things. And I think that sometimes that can let you down. So my failures could be in more of a vision that I have. And what I've learned also about failures, it takes about six times the energy, the emotion, the expense, and time to get out of something is a failure. But again, as long as you take those things and you learn from them, you're going to be in a much better situation than previously before. So I look at myself as taking all those life lessons, implying those to both business and life, and just trying to be a better person every day.
1: Right. That's really good. And, you know, I found in the past, sometimes for me, I've had bigger dreams for somebody than they have for themselves. And that always creates, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, I get so excited. I'm like, look, and they're like, I don't want it. And you can't do that. Right. You can't dream bigger. So let me ask you this. You have a large company and it's growing like crazy. You got to get the right people. Like, what do you do to find the good people or like what's a yeah, great yeah. question?
0: Yeah. This is the secret sauce in my opinion. I like to hire from three different categories of people. With the number one thing being, if they have a passion or a drive, why do they like this industry? If they say it's because they can make a lot of money quick, they can go somewhere else and work. If they have a passion for sharing a story about their family or how their parents became successful or something that happened to them where someone of influence gave them time, resources, and a strategy, and they became successful in that. Those are the people I like to hire. And those three categories specifically are athletes. I love hiring athletes because they have a discipline. You yep. can't be a successful athlete unless you have a routine. You're consistent. You only get better or worse every day. Athletic mindset. Competitive. So goal in mind. The second category is people that are in the military. People that have been involved with a, another discipline category where they've been part of a larger team. It's not about them. It's about the unit. It's about everybody working together for a common cause and common goal. And the third category are people that are heavily entrenched in their community. That could be someone that's a pastor. That could be someone that's involved in a local nonprofit, someone that really cares and is vested in their community. Those are the three categories of people that I love to hire, as long as they have that theme of passion behind them. And again, this is not for the faint of heart. Mortgages and real estate are stressful, emotional, and you have to know your numbers and numbers can change every day. Like we're experiencing now, rates are moving you know, a quarter percent every day. This is uh, April, 2022. And there's a lot of uncertainty right now in the world, in the economy and in housing. And those things are kind of the perfect storm. And I love to lead through these times This reminds me a lot of 2008 and 2009 Mm -hmm. where people can either hide or they can lead. And I choose to lead in the communities that I serve because to me, this is the time when I should use all the skills I have and all my perspective to help people get through a challenging time or question or opportunity that they may not have thought about.
1: Right. I love that. I can hide or lead. I choose to lead. That is a great line. So that's cool. Okay. So basically you're looking for a certain type of person. And what's interesting is when I asked you about why you're a mortgage broker, you told me the story. So, you know, anybody listening, you did exactly what you're looking for in somebody who's be a good fit at your company. You didn't tell me about, oh, Scott, I made this money and look at my checks and my car and whatever else. It was all about your experience and becoming a, you know, 23 year old landlord with all that stuff. So that's very cool. I'm going to come back to rates in a second. I want to ask about rates and, you know, especially the current environment. It's pretty unpredictable. But what's been the source of your business in the last 12 months? Where does your business come from?
0: Yeah, great question. So you have to have great realtor partners you work with. So that's probably about 40% of my business. Mm -hmm. I have a strong database of having done over 8,400 transactions, which I call clients, which I call creating dreams. So that's a database. I also believe you have to have niche products that are differentiators in the market you're in. For example, we do a lot of bridge loans, which are buy before you sell loans, and reverse mortgages, which are loans that you can do for people that are of retirement age up to $3 million, which is pretty cool. And the last category is networks, affiliations, accreditations, all those different environments where you can find other velocity-based relationships where you can help create a lot of benefits for those people that lead those relationship channels. So for example, I'm part of a group called Provisors. Provisors is a networking group that's national. That's a mixture of attorneys, CPAs, financial planners, and those people have a high velocity of referrals. So I know that every day I have to grow and I do that by learning, by networking, by connecting, by reaching back to past clients, and then also being a pathfinder for products that may be popular to invest in the future.
1: Right. So you said 40% from realtors, what percent from database?
0: Yep. Niches represent about 25%. And those, again, are like bridge loans and reverse mortgages. And then about 15% to 20% is on networking in different groups, affiliate groups, real estate groups, whatever that might be. So more of a social media base in that regard.
1: Right. Okay. And I got a question about the niche products. So how do you market a niche products? So if you go to a website and like, say I specialize in that, 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 do you use different landing pages for those? Or like, just, I'm curious from a technical perspective. if Great you're, question. You, yeah. So, yeah. so you don't confuse your audience. It's like, I don't want to like a first time buyer is not concerned or a first time investor doesn't care about that. Right. So I yeah.
0: do a lot of word of mouth. And I know that's really old school, but to me, I have realtors that have different diversification in their own product mix. So there may be a realtor in San Francisco that needs fractional ownership loans, which are tenants and common type properties. So that's a specific type of property and loan program. So they're in one bucket. I may be working with senior real estate professionals that help a lot of seniors in retirement communities. That's a different type of product. So I actually diversify my investment in partners with different types of products. So that audience that normally I'm attracted to or is attracted to me knows that I'm an expert in that one
1: product. Okay. So if I'm that realtor who deals with seniors, they think of you as the reverse mortgage guy. Correct. And if I'm in, you know, fractional ownership, those realtors. Okay. If you meet a realtor, how do you figure out you could be that solution for that one type, you know, their. Yeah, absolutely. So where we
0: are, we're in California, Northern California specifically, And there's a lot of different marketplaces. You could have someone that is buying a $4 million house next to a $1 million house or retirement property next to um, a construction loan you need to have. So what I look at is I do my homework and research on the agent. Good realtors are actually at a listing presentation, interviewing a seller as much as the seller is interviewing them. I use that same mindset when I'm looking to bring on new partners by interviewing them, by looking at their reviews, by looking at their web pages, by looking at who they're linked in with, who they're tied with, their relationships, their involvement in the community that they serve—those are the more important things to me. Just like going back to hiring mm-hmm. employees, it's the same mindset for me for partners. They got to be passionate. They got to care about doing this. They got to be able to do more than just say that the top real estate producer in their marketplace. So I'm right. looking at other factors because. Quality people know other quality people. When you work with people that are not trustworthy, they probably know other non-trustworthy people.
1: Yeah, they tend to hang out together.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I'm looking at core values and success, and those things normally go hand in hand.
1: So you do some research on realtors. What's one little trick or tip that you figured out when you're doing your research that's been really helpful? So if you decide that you want to yes. add a new realtor, what's something that you found that
0: uh, from a visual perspective, if they still have the flip phone from 1982, <laughs> the old glamour shot, it may be not as active in the market as if someone who has 15 transactions, it's brand new in the last 12 months. I'm right. going to go with momentum. I'm going to go with inertia. I'm going to go with synergy. That's important for me. So I look at the visual elements and the actual results. Right. So I'd rather work with someone newer that's done six transactions in the last year that is on a trajectory to go higher and grow than someone who's phasing out their career.
1: Right. Momentum as a key. I wrote that down. So I'm in this for the long
0: run run still as an owner of. Insta Mortgage. My long-term plan is to really grow this company to the next level. Shashank and I, the founder of the company, are really dedicated, and we're active loan officers also. So we're in the trenches every day. So we're looking to really grow this to the next level and be the go-to lender in the whole country.
1: I want to come back to Insta Mortgage and ask some questions about kind of what your guys' vision is for that. I want to ask for that, but I'll stay on this topic for a few more minutes on your personal production. So. You've got these different categories that you get clients from. Tell me about how has interest rates changed any of your strategy? Like we knew it was going to come at some point. We couldn't be, you know, low forever. But what kind of adjustments have you had to make given what's happening?
0: Yeah, good question. So I'm always thinking long term down the road. Having done this now for 20 years, I've seen cycles of business happen, good and bad. And so my belief is the following. Anyone buying a home right now needs to see a 10-year plan ahead. They have to have a long-term vision if you have a long-term vision it's really more about the payment than it is about the interest rate i look at payment being a big part of why you buy a home and the trade-off of buying versus renting the trade-off of buying a bigger home versus maybe a smaller home if you have other needs like you want to invest in your 401k or college savings plan to me it all comes down to payment. and when rates change that just means the payment changes. And so I'm looking at that versus the sky is falling. Oh, my God, rates are 5%. Right. Interesting part about this industry is we all have the same rates roughly. So it's not, <laughs> there's not a lender out there that's going to be selling 2% rates when rates are 5%. Right. So we're all in the same position together. It's just making sure that we create a custom plan for that household to make sure it's the best long-term decision for them. So right now, it might not be the best decision for people that are rate sensitive to buying a house. But we have one anomaly in this marketplace, which is different than the past few cycles, which is lack of inventory. With lack of inventory, rate sensitivity is less likely to pay an impact. What that means, if we have a deficit of homes of call it three million homes we need to build, the demand is still multiple billions above that number. So people need to live somewhere. People want to live somewhere. People want to have their kids in great schools and near their home, near their work, wherever that might be. And so it's less about the rates, more about the payment and about the long-term plan around what the house means to them. If you're looking at a home as just an investment, you shouldn't buy a home. That's not really a home to me. It's just an investment. Right. And so that would shift those people away from buying a home. If rates are higher, they should go buy mutual funds or stock portfolios or something that has a risk-based inflation adjustment factor in there. And so my belief is just payments. My belief is quality of life and just seeing a long-term vision in that home. If you can see that a
1: 10 year vision for the property, a payment makes sense. And it's solving my other goals and needs. And I'm not focusing on like, because the rates are going to go up and down and who knows, they won't be going down another year and a half. Right. Like, we don't know. So, okay. I want to ask you about that. You said create a custom plan. Can you give me a tip or a trick or something that you do that is helpful in the planning process with a client? Absolutely. Yeah. I
0: try to bring in every element of what's important to that person, their CPA, financial planner, their insurance person, the realtor. I want to make sure that that person knows that they have everyone on their team is helping them make a decision for their future. And so what's different about me is I will engage those people early on, And also, I always give at least two options for a customer, client, borrower, homeowner, whatever you want to call it. I make sure that they look at the opportunity to get a better rate by paying more money and also another option with a lower cost to get a higher rate. I'm always looking at break-evens and doing break-even analysis for clients to make sure that they're making the choice for them. So for example, if it costs $10,000 more to save a thousand dollars a month, that's a good use of your money because your break even is 10 months, right? You still have the rest of that 30 year term if you keep the loan that long to save money. Well, if it costs you 10 grand to save a hundred bucks a month, not the same benefit there. It's about an eight and a half year savings number. So it's not worth spending the money. I think that simple fact of just sharing different perspectives and strategies allows the consumer to be part of the process to make sure that they're empowered and educated to be part of this journey. I think that's key is to empower the client, empower the relationships. I will also say putting down 20% is fantastic if you can do that. But if someone wants to put down 20%, I'm still going to maximize the ability to borrow. So for example, maybe I put a line of credit on the property that has no draw on it. So they have the ability down the road to borrow that money later on. I'm always gonna maximize or optimize the strategy to get them the best options. Sometimes it might mean breaking the loan up into two loans. We wanna look at the blended rate analysis when we do any of that type of stuff, where we look at the rate on the first loan and a rate on a second loan to determine what the actual cost of borrowing is. When you do that, you take that kind of financial approach You're helping people see more than just the emotional part of, oh, my gosh, this is the kitchen I can cook in for the rest of my life, or this is the neighborhood I want to be in. I need to do that from a financial perspective. I need to make sure that they're part of the journey to make a good decision.
1: Right. You're like the market maker for their mortgage. (laughs) <laughs> right?
0: Yes. Minus the Wolf of Wall Street.
1: Minus the uh, uh, Wolf of yeah. Wall Street stuff. Yeah. Okay. So basically you like to provide choice to the borrower. You bring in the other team members or engage the engage other people on their team. So how do you do that? So let's say if I'm a client, I'm talking to you and you're like, Hey Scott, so I'm going to buy this place. And how do you a find out who those other people are? Cause what, maybe I didn't leave with that. And then how do you introduce yourself to them? And I suspect if you do this well, you're probably getting business from these other people too. You're creating like a whole network effect, but Yeah, I'm curious about that.
0: Yeah, just adding value. Sometimes the right answer is no. Sometimes the answer is absolutely. I believe you have to get everyone engaged and provide resources. I look at myself as like a tool belt. I need to put the right tools in the tool belt for each specific need. someone who's selling a house and going to have a million dollars of proceeds, they need to have a financial planner and CPA engaged before they even start the process of selling their house. They Mm -hmm. need to understand the tax consequences. Or the benefits. So I'm trying to plan early. I'm trying to get all the keys to a transaction or to a decision in early so people can make a good decision for their careers and their future. That's my goal on things. So that's how I look at that on my side of things. So all that's the way I look at it.
1: You talk about providing choice and it sounds like you co-create this with your clients by helping them figure out a plan. And so there's something called the IKEA effect, which is when somebody helps create something, they perceive more value in it, provided creating it doesn't take a lot of work. So do you find that when clients, you give them a choice that they're less likely to shop you or like, what are the, some of the benefits that you see in this collaborative approach?
0: Absolutely. So I go back to that story example we talked about earlier, Scott, where when I was a kid, my parents were smart. They gave me choices and vegetables to choose. They didn't say, here are your carrots, eat the carrots. They said, Jim, you have a choice. You can have carrots or peas. They didn't care which one I ate because they knew that it was good for me, but I got to choose. And so it's the same thing I believe with consumers. We need to give them choice. If I give them one finite solution, that's not probably the best solution for them. So I need to listen to their needs, give them choices, and let them decide for their long-term plan. If I just offer one rate, then they can go anywhere else and shop that same opportunity that I'm providing. So I need to provide multiple options and strategies and have them create the one that's best for their needs and their vision.
1: Right. Okay. And you probably know often what they're going to select likely if you know them, but sometimes they're probably like, okay, you give them a plan and let them pick. All right. So I want to ask about Insta Mortgage. So tell me about Insta Mortgage. You know, you partnered up on that and tell me about that. Absolutely. So
0: I'm fortunate to be partnered and co-owner with Shashank Shakar. He is one of the top brokers and influencers in our marketplace for the last call it 15 years. Shashank started his business in 2008 at the absolute worst time. He's an immigrant that came from India. He came with less than $2,000 to his name. And within three years, became one of the top mortgage brokers in the country. So Shashank and I started talking about a year ago about collaborating together. Collaboration became actually a partnership. And now InstaMortgage does over a billion dollars a year of mortgage brokering, banking, and loans. And I say it that way because I believe that the model of the future is going to be a hybrid model where you broker the loans that you need to broker for certain reasons and niches, and you can bank others. It's the same mindset as a mortgage loan officer if you're a broker or a banker, in my opinion, in this hybrid model, because we literally have the choice, just like we mentioned earlier about consumers, we have the choice to allow our loan officers the ability to broker or bank and give the best solution we can to the consumer. It's a consumer-based benefit. It's not a loan officer getting paid more to do the transactions. So that's, I think, a key for the future of our industry is to make sure that we can provide the tools and resources at a localized level that give us national products, national firepower to be competitive with the big banks. So I believe Instamortgage will be a company to follow for the long run. I'm the chief lending officer of the company. But most importantly, I'm an active loan officer in the trenches every day, making sure I'm relevant.
1: So right. That's
0: our company and we're licensed in 27 states currently, which is also very exciting because a lot of times people are moving from state to state right now. They're not moving from town to town. Yeah. so You need to be able to capture that relationship. And if they're moving from California to Texas, California, wherever, or up in your neck of the woods in Canada,
1: we have to be able to help them move. Okay. So Shawshank, I want to say Shank, but it's Shank, (laughs) Shakar. That is the coolest name. Like that is like a superhero name. When I hear that name, I'm like, how come I didn't get a cool name like that? So that's cool. So at a billion, you said in mortgages and banking, how many people does that represent? So like how big are we talking about? Like how many originators and then support staff?
0: Absolutely. So we have about 70 to 75 loan officers and we have about 25 support staff. We're a very tech-driven company. We have a few really cool things we're doing. We actually have an AI element to our company. We're already in the metaverse, by the way. We're the first mortgage company in the metaverse. Very different for an old guy like myself, Mm -hmm. but um, we're tech-driven. We're based in Silicon Valley, so we're lucky to have a lot of resources at our discretion to implement for a better process, better price for our customer, and better experience. That starts with Shashank and is led by myself and him also. And we're both doing loans. Him and I together last year did over $500 million of loans ourselves.
1: Of that billion, you guys did half of it? We're half. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. So it seems to me like you're a forward thinker. You know, you got the company that you're part of and where you're partnered in. So what are the products you see are going to be more popular in the future for mortgage brokers and loan officers?
0: Yeah. Great question, Scott. This is really important for me to be always thinking ahead, right? We got to think Two or three steps ahead, or like you probably are a hockey fan, the Wayne Gretzky quote, right? Always being where the puck is going to be, not where it is today.
1: I'm actually an NFL fan, even though I'm Canadian, you know, no (laughs) offense to my NHL friend, but yeah, anyway, keep, sorry, keep going.
0: Yeah. So, so what I look at it as, is I look at two trends happening for a long time. One is life events. Life events happen to us all. It doesn't matter if rates are 10% or 2%, life events happen, we need to have products that are there for life events. The second element is inventory being very tight. Right now, if you are going to look to move, you would love to probably buy before you sell your current house because the unknown of where you're going to live, where you're going to rent, all those factors that play a role. So with lack of inventory, housing being a very popular oh, yeah. thing. For people okay, like
1: we were talking briefly before about your bridge loan thing you're doing. This is, yep. makes perfect sense. Yep. Okay, sorry, keep going.
0: Yeah. yeah, So basically, if you can provide an opportunity to buy before you sell with a guaranteed takeout buyer on your current house, so you have peace of mind that you don't have to worry about that selling, that's kind of the optimal way of buying a property now. You don't have to do anything on your current home if you don't find your replacement home. So you can always look at buying houses and not feel like you're on a time stamp or time dial or sand dial to have to do something. If you can look to buy before you have to sell, you're in a much better position because then you find the right property. You're not just finding a property to have to move into. So we have a great product that's called Calc. That's spelled C-A-L-Q-U-E, Calc, And that's a product that allows us to buy before we sell a property with a guaranteed offer price for up to four months not really an iBuyer product, not someone buying my house right now, but the peace of mind that I have someone or a company or entity that can purchase this property if I want to sell it from a non-traditional perspective. So it allows me to move in my new home, get my final loan all dialed in, create that 10-year vision, and then have time to sell my property that I'm departing. So the bridge loans are the hot product, I think, for the next two years, just because of the demand issue and inventory shortages we see throughout the country. The migration also of people moving from California, for example, to income tax-friendly states like Nevada or Texas or Colorado or Idaho also plays a role in that product. And that's why it's so important to have products like bridge loans. And then the flip side Let's say, Scott, your parents didn't ever want to move again. They love their house that they are in. They never want to move again. Then we need to have a product that satisfies their needs for the long run. And that product is reverse mortgages. Reverse mortgages get a very bad rap because they've been a product in the past that was a little bit predatory because loan officers were not selling the loan programs correctly. But now that reverse mortgage product can go up to $3 million in most markets across the country, which is huge. So you can have someone that's of retirement age, that's on a fixed income, make a conservative and comfortable choice to take a reverse mortgage out, which allows them to have no mortgage payment and the ability for some cash flow relief to help them with their lifestyle. So you have two kind of extremes. You have a lifestyle creative product and one that's to reassure someone's current lifestyle. And those are two products that I believe in, and I think they'll be very popular for years to come.
1: Right. So Calc, I'm going to go back to that for a second. So when you say we have a guaranteed offer price, does that mean that, so if I'm selling my house in California, for instance, and moving to Texas, which I think people have done, but that seems to be, yeah. I think yeah. it's a tax thing. People are like, I want less yeah. taxes. So nothing against California. I basically go down to Texas. I write my offer. Could I take some money out of my house? But let's say I don't have enough to buy the Texas yep. property. You yep. guys cover it, right? Yep. right. With bridge You bridge
0: the equity position to be able to buy the home. And we're qualifying the buyer on their long-term plan. It's a great win-win for the client or borrower because they're actually able to get into their new house. And maybe they need time to paint and do new carpet in their house they're selling or have a realtor do a great job marketing it. Or maybe there's seasonality. Maybe it's the winter months where people don't buy homes in certain parts of the country. So it just gives you time and flexibility to leverage your equity and get you to that end goal you have. And it's a call to action. A lot of people never do anything because they don't know of products that exist like this. They're stuck living in a house where they have you know, a big equity position, but equity is worth nothing unless you leverage it. It's worth right. zero. If you don't use it, it's nothing. So it looks great on a piece of paper or on a website when you look up your address. But if you can't leverage your equity, which is where most of your wealth is in your life, that's a problem. So we fixed that problem with Calc. And that allows us to really help someone get to their life event sooner and create an opportunity to be in a better place.
1: Okay, so you mentioned guaranteed offer price. You're not guaranteeing the sale of the property that they're in, though, right? You're just basically... We we
0: actually are. The program itself will actually give a guarantee for four months of a purchase
1: price. On the property they're going to sell.
0: Correct. But we want them to be comfortable to allow them time to do what's right for them. Just like we mentioned earlier about choice, I think it's important to have choice in how and when you sell your property also, right? If you're in a stressful situation, a buyer might not give you the right price because they know you have to do something by a certain date. Well, if you have time on your side, you could do its improvements, a marketing plan, hire great realtors, showcase the property correctly to allow you to get top dollar for your property. So it creates a what I would call a stop loss or a stop sale price, and that buffer is going to probably be within about 10% of what you could get, but you have peace of mind on your side. so that peace of mind sometimes is priceless.
1: Okay. So with the bridge loan, sorry, one more last question on this. Can you borrow more than you technically qualify for because you have, yes. like, so I got to assume that let's say somebody, they only qualify for the one, they've got some equity. So during that period, you're also saying it's okay that you don't technically qualify for this because yeah, we're-
0: That is correct. There are certain guidelines that exist in certain lenders. And also we take an approach of looking at the long-term horizon. If someone's retired and they're going to spend five times what they spend now, that's not a good idea. But if someone's younger getting promotions, they can spend more because they have a higher probability or ability to repay their mortgage. So we want to look at those things and those factors are all case by case and specific to the scenario and the borrower's profile. So we're looking at all those things on a one-off and that's where I create value. That's when people... No, I am a resource for them. And that's different than going to a large bank or working online with a lender. These are all unique situations. And what's most important are what's important for the borrower and the family involved. That's our key. We build a plan around those goals and the vision that they have.
1: Right. Okay, dude, that's amazing. Where can people find you online? Yeah,
0: easy website, super easy. Meet. M-E-E-T, meet Jim black.com. Like meet Joe Black the movie. Meet Jim Black. You won't die. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. you're instead <laughs> yeah. of a death dealer, you're die. a debt dealer. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: I'll be around hopefully a few more years. No, no, I'm That's saying the they won't place.
1: die because when you meet Jim Black in the movie or Joe Black, yeah, yes. you die. Like he's yeah, like yeah. he's basically. Yeah, you won't dead.
0: die. You won't die reaching out to me. I do like yeah. peanut butter though. But uh yeah, meetjimblack.com is the best place. Again, very passionate about what we do. I love doing these kind of calls, Scott. I really appreciate your time and keep up the great work because I get motivated. I get inspired every day by listening to other professionals and peers of mine that have a zest for this, have a passion for it. Learners are earners, as they always say. So I'm always learning. So hey, okay, man,
1: awesome, time. awesome to chat with you. Thanks so much for your time. Hey, thanks for listening to that conversation with Jim. Hopefully you got some nuggets. I know I did, it inspired me to start thinking more about niche products. And in this upcoming segment, I'm going to be talking to Reuven about how to become a realtor magnet. Now, if you're listening to this and you're in the mortgage business and you're like, hey, I want to get better at some niche products, our 10 Loans a Month Academy has some coaches that are fantastic at coaching on niches. Go check out 10loadsamonth.com. You can get on the wait list. We only open it a few times a year and check out this conversation I have with Reuven. Hey, Reuven, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, Scott, great to be here again. So, hey, let's talk about one of my favorite topics, how to become a realtor magnet. So I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. So give me your thoughts on what are the things that a mortgage broker can do to become a realtor magnet?
2: Absolutely. So obviously, part of it, maybe the starting point is really understanding what value you know you bring, which I think is fairly basic. But it really, I think, boils down to what sort of unique value you bring, and part of that is identifying what we had talked about in a previous Axie Experts episode, which is really finding your tribe. And what I mean by that is there are lots of realtors out there, there's lots of mortgage brokers out there, there's tons of folks that have great collaboration and great experience, And there are some relationships that are meant to be. They're super strong. They're powerhouses in terms of how they work together hand-in-hand to make deals happen and make deals fund. And there are some relationships that are absolutely the extreme opposite. They're non-productive, and maybe they're toxic or subservient. So part of really becoming a magnet to anything is A, understanding your value, but B, more importantly, is finding your tribe as a mortgage professional in terms of who are the right agents that I really, really want to work with. And that means... You know, our values align, we're aiming for the same goal, we're not necessarily you know, subservient to each other, and most importantly, we're creating a win-win relationship with every single transaction that we do together.
1: One of the things I tell mortgage brokers to never say when they meet a real estate agent is, thank you so much for your time today. I'm like, don't say that. That assumes their time is more valuable than yours. It's not true. Both of your times are valuable. And if you're good at what you do, it'll be one plus one equals three. It's not, you know, please uh, give me some porridge. If you show up with that attitude, you're going to hate your life. You're going to hate working with realtors. And I just feel like that's the wrong way to do it. I think the way you're talking about, which is think of who's your tribe. How can we as a team, me and the real estate agent, work together to create an amazing customer experience so that we both get more business? If you think that way, you have a totally different goal. The situation is completely different than, hey, you know. Please give me something I'm trying to take from you. Nobody feels good in that relationship, right? Or it becomes all about what have you done for me lately, right? Like those type of relationships tend to not work out in the long run. And so I totally agree with you on the whole toxic thing. You know, I can think back to some girlfriends in high school. We won't make this a relationship conversation, but you know, they were kind of toxic. And I'm like, man, I ever dodged a bullet there. You know, you go back many years later and you look and you're like, I dodged a bullet big time. So what are your thoughts on, okay, get clear on your tribe in terms of for a realtor, any other tips or advice you have for somebody who's trying to like make sure that they find the right realtor partners to work with?
2: Yeah, I think uh, ultimately, your goal should be building the relationship to your earlier point, Scott, if you're coming at it from an angle of, I'm only looking at you as a source of business, you're already off to a wrong start. At least if you're looking at it in the context of talking to one of your tribe members, right? So if you found the right tribe, etc. It's about building that relationship as your number one goal your deals and your referrals will come as an outcome of that, right? So number one obsession is really what can you do to connect with that person, to add value, to help however you can help. It may not be with a mortgage. It may be, look, I've got a client referral for you to start off the relationship. It may not be me asking for something and saying, hey, I noticed you do 100 deals a year. Can you please send me you know, 50 of them? And once you focus on that, once you've got a good basis for a conversation, once you found out, you share the same values. So, for example, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned a realtor may be obsessed with customer experience and that's what they want. They want a broker who, you know, not only gets deals done, but makes sure that every single transaction goes flawlessly. So that home buyer at the end of the day remembers and recommends that realtor and recommends that broker. So it's really doing that homework ahead of time. Get rid of that mindset of, hey, I need deals, I'm hungry, I need to eat and all that stuff, and just focus on building those relationships and do what it takes. Your outcomes will follow.
1: Yeah, I've been coaching mortgage brokers for the last five or six years and coaching them on working with real estate agents. And probably one of the most effective ways that you can add value to a realtor is actually through communication. Communication is the killer app. Like if you're a mortgage broker listening to this and I said to you, who's your favorite underwriter? And you explained who they were. I say, how good do they communicate? Oh, they're fantastic. They communicate yeah. really, really well. The complaint that I hear from realtors is I don't know what's going on. You know, I don't have any follow-ups. They're not communicating to me. And so I think communication is one of those. Everybody says they do it. Very few people actually do it well. And if you do it well, it literally can change your business. So I love that idea. A couple of thoughts on that. First, one of our agents, uh, Mudrick, who's went through our program, doing amazing. He explains it as, hey, if you want, we've got this virtual closing service. They're the Uber Eats of lawyers. And they talk about you guys, right? And then realtors are like, oh, that's super cool. Explain that to me. So I have no doubt that he's been able to introduce real estate lawyers to you guys and your firm. But Tell me about like other ways that you can add value. You know, there's communication, which is key, finding alignment and values. Are there any other sort of tips you have for people when it comes to being a realtor magnet?
2: Yeah. So part of it is, again, understanding the value that you bring and that value has to be beyond, I can get a mortgage deal done or I can get your clients the best rate and working backwards from there understanding what is really important for your realtor partner or your, even your realtor prospect part of it is asking questions you know what do you like about your current partners what do you dislike you know if you had a magic wand for example that's a question i personally ask a lot of people all the time whether i'm interviewing a new employee or if I'm talking to a new prospect, like if you had a magic wand, Scott, what would that relationship look like? What would the value be? You know, what would our end client, our mutual clients say about us together? And just sort of work backwards in terms of how you can really build that relationship to hit those outcomes every single time.
1: Right, I love the magic wand question, actually. You know, if you could change one thing in your business right now, what would it be? Or another great question, if you're talking to real estate agents, like what has been your biggest challenge in the last year, right? Yeah. Like, because it's been a very unusual. You're lots of offers. A lot of times it's competing offers. It's very challenging. And so getting clear on their challenges and then brainstorming how the two of you can solve them together. That's one of the ways you can create lifetime referral partners. So this is really good. So find your tribe, you know, make sure you find the right real estate agents. Think about creating cooperative reciprocal relationships. So how does it one plus one equals three? How are we adding value? It's not, Hey, I'm taking, please, sir, give me another lead. That's not going to work. And then, you know, ask questions about understanding their business. Sounds like to me, that's the three kind of key areas. Yeah. So anything else you'd like to add to this whole idea of becoming a realtor magnet?
2: Ultimately, as the relationship grows, don't let it get stale and always think on your toes in terms of how you're bringing additional value to the relationship. And when I say bringing value, it's the complete opposite of what have you done for me lately? It's more of a an open dialogue. And just because you've got a great relationship with someone and say, even if you've been working together for years, Look for feedback. I mean, we do that as a company as well. We constantly are looking for feedback from our referral partners. We're looking for feedback from end users. We're looking for feedback from our team in terms of, you know, what can we do better? Where can we tweak? What's gone well? What hasn't gone so well? So really constantly revisiting that relationship. You know, don't take it for granted. Just always look to bring additional value.
1: You remind me of that. I call the GBU question, the good, the bad, the ugly. There's a book right there, Ruben. Like you literally could transform your business by talking to your clients, your team, the good, the bad, the ugly. And really what you're trying to do is fix friction, fix challenges, smooth out the process. And if you do that enough, it's going to be like, wow, you're going to create an amazing experience for everybody. So that's really good. If you're listening to this, check out dita.ca. Ruben's got an amazing company that can help you with your closing. You got fantastic communication, back to that whole killer app thing. You guys got communication down. I'm convinced it's one of the reasons you guys are having such success. Check them out, deeded.ca. And Ruben. always great to chat with you, brother.
2: Great to be here. Thanks again, Scott.
1: Yeah, that was a fantastic chat that I had with Reuben about how to become a realtor magnet if realtors are a part of your business, which they probably should be, honestly, at least until you get very well established. Check out Deeded. They've been amazing to work with. I just did my own mortgages with them, actually, and they were fantastic. And if you're listening to this and you're looking for ideas to improve your business, I recommend you go to ilovemortgagebrokering.com, set up a free Power Search account you can search all of our past episodes, keyword, literally find it specifically where anything's mentioned. It's very powerful. You basically can tap into, you know, my brain and those conversations at lightning speed. Check it out, out itemmortgagebrokering.com. And thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.